Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the greatest games on the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Spell. with me of course is Jonathan Wilson and with us today is Jeff Brown, presenter of Look North on the BBC and if I may say so, a man who does a good rendition of Stuck in the Middle with You by Steelers <laughs> Wheel. Oh, Jeff. you've been Googling, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> a pleasure to have you on the pod, my good man. Thank you. Yes, we're one of the uh, local radio guys here when he heard it to just put a, put a comment out on Facebook saying, hmm, a bit pitchy. <laughs> because, nah. you know but these things you, you got to do them <laughs> uh, indeed um <clears throat> today uh, we go back to december 1999 sunderland 4 chelsea 1 uh, the only thing that surprises me is we haven't done this one before uh, but we're doing it today uh, and no doubt it'll be jonathan's and your pleasure jeff but why have you chosen this game um Oh, blimey. I suppose the simple answer to, to it is that uh, of all the games that I've, that I've watched as a fan and a reporter in sort of 50 years, um, this is slightly worrying, um, in the North East. And I have seen some some you know some great games. I, I was at um, Newcastle-Barcelona, um, Tino Spree's hat-trick, uh, Newcastle coming from four down to draw four all with Arsenal. Middlesbrough playing in the UEFA Cup final. Whoever thought that would that would ever happen? And, and probably will. I think it's safe to say will never happen again. Um, but the the Sunderland one, and the, and the most abiding memory of it uh, is that I was I was at Time T's television at the time, and I was uh, I was doing a match report. We had a, we had a program called Full Time, which went out just after five o'clock. It had a five minute result service, and I was doing a report for them. Um, and at halftime in this game, it was four nil, and a pal of mine was in hospitality. And he, he sort of ran down all excited and said, wow, what about that then? And, and I I said, yeah, yeah, it was, it was great. It was amazing, yeah. And, and he went off to hospitality anyway. <laughs> he, he rang me the next day and he said, uh, he said, what what was wrong with you yesterday? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, it, it was it was unbelievable. He said, and you were sitting there and you looked really upset. And I said, yeah, because I, I sat there thinking, wow, been watching this team for 30 years and I've never seen 45 minutes of football like that and I don't think I ever will again and I just and, and 20 years on I have no reason to change that opinion it was it was the, the, just that moment where you think that was it that that is as good as it's ever mm. going to get and um, yeah it was in, it was a game that, that, that stood out straight away yeah, is this a Sunderland thing, Jonathan? Because you, you're, you've mentioned this before on the podcast, but your father, after the FA Cup final, was up, was was quite yeah, emotional. In seventy three, he'd been desperately whistling for time for twenty odd minutes, <laughs> and uh, well, probably longer. And yeah, he, he he always said that his his reaction when the whistle went wasn't sort of the the euphoria he was expecting. It was a sudden shaft of sadness that yeah. it will never be this good again. <laughs> Mm. So yeah, maybe it is. We're very aware of kind of uh, you know we're not allowed too much pleasure in life. <laughs> but I have so to say, my reaction at halftime because I, I, I was. Um, were you at the game? I was at the game. I just moved mm. out of London. I'd, I'd moved down in, in the September, and I was back up doing a piece for Match of the Day magazine. So it was the first time I'd ever been in the press box at a Sunderland game. Mm. Um, and my because that that season had sort of become a sort of weird. Suddenly, the normal rules didn't apply. Nothing made any sense anymore. And the, the best example I can give you of that is um, I went down to London in September. And then within about a week, I had to come back from my granddad's funeral. And I was on the train coming up on a Saturday. And someone will wait at Derby. And this is before 
you could get like results on your on your phone. So at half time, I ring my dad and say, "What what's the score?" He's oh one nil Kevin Phillips. Oh, brilliant. Full time, I ring my dad. What's the score? Five nil. And my initial reaction was, "How the fuck have they lost? I, I thought we won the look. Was was that disallowed or something?" And so, so my brain couldn't couldn't conceive. We might have just scored four goals in the second half. It thought it was more likely that somehow a goal had been struck off from the first half, and then yeah. Derby had scored five. So yeah, some of them were fourth in the table going into this game. Uh, you know, they they'd only lost, I think, three times all season at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just suddenly felt like anything was possible. It just it, it was it was it was a bit like in the World Cup semi final in two thousand fourteen. When you know it's five nil after half an hour, and you suddenly think, "Oh, it turns out all that precedent that I thought I had, none of that actually means anything now. The, the, this is not normal. Anything could happen." Hmm. I think Did I you feel like that, Jeff. Yeah, it was a special time because they'd been promoted, of course, the previous season. Yeah, I, I think that's what um, what made the, the the win so special because the season before um, was the the. the Obviously, two seasons before would have been Wembley and the, the, the heartache of, of losing the playoff final to Charlton and Charlton, and then they stormed back and won the, uh, the the championship the next season. The record 105 points. And um, I, I was chatting the other day to uh, to Graham Anderson, who was the Sunderland Echo reporter at the time, and covered all the games. And he said the thing about that that promotion season was um, you didn't go to games thinking, "Oh, how's it going to go today? You know, how tough is it going to be?" You went. There were only two thoughts in your mind. How many? How many is someone going to win by? And how many will Kevin Phillips score? And it was it was an unbelievable season. And then to start the next season away at Chelsea, um, I was I was at, uh, at the Riverside covering Middlesbrough's opening game against Bradford City, listening to the uh, the commentary of the Sunderland game, and uh, they were absolutely taken apart. Four um, 0 uh, could have been a lot more. Um, the the team they had out, um, a young lad called Chris Lumsden, who might not have played too many more games uh, after after that one. And and he was replaced at half-time by one of Peter Reid's uh, summer signings, Carsten Lightning Fredgard. Um, <laughs> the only lightning thing about him is that he, he, he was there in and out of the team in a flash, never appeared <laughs> again. Um, to be fair, he did his cruise shit. It, it wasn't. It wasn't just that he. Yeah, you know, he wasn't. He was rubbish. He did. He did his cruise shit and never quite recovered. To be fair to him. Yeah, yeah. But but after, what what happened after that game as well is um, that I think all Sunderland fans and probably anyone looking at it thought, well, yeah, this team you know might run away with the with the championship. hasn't, hasn't got a hope in the in the Premier League. Um, Bobby Saxton took the team out before they went back on the uh, on the, the bus. Bobby Saxton, who, who doesn't get a lot lot of credit, it's all about Reedy and. And you know, and Bobby's a bit, bit of a you know rough and tumble sort of coach. But Bobby took all the players back out on the pitch and uh, and gave them a, a talk and just said, "Look, that is as bad as it's going to get. Put it that you know, put it out of your mind. It's over. It's finished. It'll it will never be as bad as that again. You're in the Premier League now, and and just get used to it." Um, and they went from a team that you know, most people thought, right, they're really going to struggle. After that game, lost lost two out of the next 15 and Kevin Phillips scored 15 goals in those 15 games up to the uh, the, the return match with Chelsea. So the, the, the transformation was was amazing. And, and that day, you just thought, yeah, this team has gone from one that got absolutely ripped to shreds on opening day and now they're doing it back to Chelsea in the space of like what, three, three, four months. It, it was amazing. I think that point you make about the doubts as to 
yeah, we can run away with the championship or whatever it was called in those days, um, but maybe can't do it in the Premier League. They were compounded by the fact that um, we'd lost two of our best players, that Lee Clark had been got rid of because of wearing that daft T-shirt at the FA Cup final. And um, Adam Johnston, the yeah, the left winger, had, uh, had decided not to renew his contract because he wanted to move to Rangers. And so he was bombed out for that season. So two of our most creative presences suddenly weren't there. And you know, Stefan Schwartz came in and yeah, was obviously really good. Um, although not as attacking as Johnston. But the middle of midfield was a bit of a mess. And I, I, my memory of it was completely wrong. I, I'd sort of thought it had been um, Gavin McCann who came through and was turned out to be to be excellent. I, I, I'd sort of thought it was him and Kevin Ball, but Kevin Ball only actually started six games that season. It was sort of a bit of a mix and match with, between Eric Wire and uh, Alex Ray. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Jeff, it was it's interesting what you say about Bobby Saxon there and his approach to that 4-0 loss because... Nowadays, we're so used to teams going up to the Premier League and it's backs to the walls and you have to change your style of playing because, of course, you get promoted, you're going to win most weeks playing in, in the championship, you know, unless you kind of sneak through the playoffs, if you will. Whereas this Sunderland side, yeah, they, they lost that game, but they soon were playing with that that verve and freedom that had that had served them so well in the previous season, which was amazing to see. And it's not that often you see a side do that. No, and and it was you know it, it was it was built around Quinn and Phillips up front, and uh, I think the, the the first game, the game after Chelsea uh, was, if I'm not mistaken, was Watford at home, and uh, Ken Phillips scored twice, and I think he proved to himself that he could score in the Premier League. Um, I mean, th- these days, an English striker scoring thirty goals in the Premier League would be, <laughs> it'd be you know, it's, they'd still be talking about it, and yet. Kevin Phillips doing that that season just seems to have slipped completely off anybody's radar. Whenever great Premier League goal scorers are mentioned, yeah. um, he rarely, rarely gets the credit he deserves. Well, according to Eric Roy or Eric Wah, <laughs> depending on, uh, we'll go with Roy for my sake. Um, apparently, this is not lost of, in the people uh, for the people of France. He said, "When I arrived in England, I didn't know Kevin Phillips, but I'll tell you the truth. When I spoke with people in football back in France in Europe, they always asked me about Phillips and the Golden Boot." I assume that's to the present day. I'd like to think it but was. Is he, is he only English? Is he the only yeah. player ever to have won the gold? But yeah. certainly, not, none's won it since. So, yeah, which is an extraordinary achievement. It I is. Mean, to, to do it in a newly promoted team that yeah, yeah, you know, we're not not really. I mean, okay, they finished seventh, but I don't think people expect them to finish seventh. No, I certainly no, didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the other thing about finishing. You know, we talk about hitting the heights again. I can remember this saying saying to uh, to friends at the time. Um, who, who were getting all excited? I said, "Look, we've been watching this team for thirty years, and this may never happen again." <laughs> it's, it's they got up to seventh, and, and and obviously now would have would have been in Europe. Um, mm. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid I'm I'm probably one of a, a dwindling band of people who've seen half of Sunderland's uh, games in Europe. I've seen two of the four in 1973. Uh, and Jonathan, you, sorry, sorry, Jeff. I was going to say, I don't, think, I, I don't think I'm going to see any more, actually. <laughs> not for a while. Not for, so let's say not for a while. Yeah. It's an ounce of positivity, maybe. Jonathan, do you you remember uh, Sunderland going up in, into the, the top flight, the Premiership, as it was called back then? What were your expectations for Sunderland? Um, well, I was pretty confident it was the best Sunderland team I'd seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, we were very a very yo-yo-y team in those days. Um, so I, 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 I sort of, I, I think almost uh, not going up in '98 did us a favour because Paul Butler came in, we were much more solid. 
and that that season in ninety eight nine when I was I was back in the northeast. I'd, I'd done my three years at university and, and went back into my masters, um, and that was great because yeah, well, yeah, as, as Jeff says, you you turned up every week and you, it was just nice. You expected to win, and the, the, the game I, I I remember from that season, I think it was Wolves who played at home, and it was nil nil at half time, and. No, I can't have been Wolves because Wolves were one late on with Kevin Ball goal. Anyway, it was, it, we were 2-0 up at half-time but they played rubbish and they got booed off at half-time. And it was weird, and I was frustrated. Like, why, why are we playing this rubbish football? And everybody clearly had the same realisation at once. Of, Hang on, we're 2-0 up and we're booing. And this boo sort of breaks <laughs> into this kind of general laughter. Like, this is this is ridiculous. Maybe it's was, maybe it was QPR. Was it because it been QPR? Anyway, whoever it was, mm-hmm. uh, I, I remember specifically that half-time that <laughs> the sort of the the yeah the, the the booze breaking into laughter. So yeah, I knew I knew it was a better side, but I was worried that I mean Lee Clark particularly. Um, yeah, I thought it would be a huge miss. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I sort of thought we had a decent chance of staying up. I mean, I certainly wasn't expecting expecting. This. I just I didn't really think it was possible that the Quinn could could trouble top class defenses. And you know because we signed him in '96, and so he made his debut away at Forest. And we won four one when he was brilliant. So we had sort of seen it, and he got, he got injured that season. He struggled a lot with knee injuries for a couple of years. So we had seen that he could really rattle good teams, mm-hmm. but he hadn't done it consistently that season because of the injuries. But you know, ninety nine two thousand, Phillips got the goals, but he wouldn't have gotten if Quinn hadn't been there battering defenses mm-hmm. out of the way. Yeah, absolutely. All right, chaps, let's have a, a quick break and then we'll uh, talk more about Sunderland in that season and, and particularly that game against Chelsea in the second half. See you in a moment, everybody. Welcome back to the greatest games on the Blizzard. Um, Jeff, do you think it was it was important for Sunderland this season in in the Premier League because Newcastle United they, they didn't win the league, but they'd be very close, of course, under um, Keegan. You know, they, they'd had a lot of glitz and glamour in Newcastle with some of the results, some of the players that have even in Middlesbrough. Okay, they went down, but you'd had Ravanelli, uh, Emerson, Janino, to, to name a few. You know, again, you'd had a bit of the glamour of the top flight. Sunderland hadn't had that really for a while until this point. No, they had. Uh, you could see it living in the area. You could see that um, any neutrals, um, even if they were living sort of more in the Sunderland area, you would be automatically attracted to Newcastle. And why not? Because some of the football they played was was fantastic um and they and they regularly regularly in Europe as well it was a great time to be to be covering uh, northeast football because as you said some great names at middlesbrough as well and it and it was still just about the era where you could roll up to a training ground and uh, <laughs> and and button the manager or you know catch a player and and just have a chat with him without a um, a press officer Hanging on every word and just uh, yeah, ready right. to dive in. And I, 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 I do remember the uh, I, I went down with a camera crew at the start of the uh, the season before the promotion season and looking around for players to interview. And I think for some reason we'd missed most of them. And and I saw this guy getting out of his car and I thought, oh shit, that's that Kevin Phillips lad that they've just signed from Watford. Didn't have a clue of anything about it. Um, but stopped him and you know, took the camera over, went for a chat. And I can remember going back to the back to the studio and saying, "Hey, that Phillips, that what a nice guy, what a, what a great talker." And it was just a it was a, a great time to be around the club, to be because uh, uh, really was it was was a smashing block to deal with, um, unless he crossed him and then he let you know. Uh, very well, going to say, yeah, <laughs> very very quickly. I think all of, every journalist in the northeast has had at least one of those where 
um, you're on the phone and the and his secretary said, "Yeah, Peter would just like a word with you." Oh no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he was very important. A lot of the players from from this side say him and, and Saxton were very important in creating that atmosphere in the dressing room, which served them so well that season. Yeah, I mean, the the, the great story, of course, is that which, which is often told is that after the playoff final, the uh, defeat to Charlton, they. Uh, they get back on the bus, they're driving home and they, they had plans for a party and no one really wanted it. But they, I'm not sure whose decision it was. Might, probably would have been really is that they stopped off um, on, back on the route back to uh, to the northeast, uh, and everyone just piled in and they just got absolutely hammered together <laughs> and just said, right, you know how bad this feels. We're not going to let that happen next season. And um, again, maybe it's, maybe, you know, it is a different year. It was 20 odd years ago. Maybe... Uh, would football teams still do that now? Probably not. It would be on Twitter, wouldn't it? It'd be on Facebook. Any pictures of that? Yeah. <laughs> so well, I mean, Quinny said, hasn't he? There was that interview, and he said that the problem is now with football that all the foreign lads want to go home to their yoga teachers, and they won't stop off for a pint. <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah. which you know, I think tells you a lot about his his idea of of team bonding. But you know, with those players at that time, it it worked. So mm. why not? Mm-hmm. Well, what do you make of what do you think of Peter Reid in charge of Sunderland? That season, Jonathan, because from what you're saying there, Jeff, you know, perhaps in terms of what we now consider a Premier League manager and your tactics and so on, maybe not the most cultured in terms of football, but he was very effective for that period in, in Sunderland. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty simple approach, of, you know, a four-four-two, get the ball wide, get the ball in the box, Quinn will win the headers and, and mm. Phillips will go across the near post. So um, there's nothing especially complicated about it, but... You know, he got the right players in the right roles, and I, you know, I think, in retrospect, we we probably did benefit from from losing Johnston and getting Stefan Schwartz in playing on the left of midfield, but playing much narrower. And because we had Michael Gray going outside, and we're still getting service into the box, but we had that little bit more solidity in the middle of midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, I, th- I think it was right at the end of a period when a manager could could be successful with that kind of approach, and I think you. You see the way it went wrong for Reed at Sunderland, and then we it didn't work out for him at Leeds. That that yeah, we were coming to the end of that that style of management. We can, yeah, because he seems like it, it seems quite strange to think of someone like Peter Reed managing in the in the top flight in England. But I, I think you're right, Jeff. It was that period where it, it was just beginning to to change, of course, and then not that long after that, you know, the, the likes of Jose Mourinho and so on are into the league, and it's and it's it's changed forever. But of course. That change as well could be seen in uh, in Sunderland's opponents with the match in question here in, in, back in December in '99. Chelsea. I mean, my goodness, we've seen a lot of changes, and this was a Chelsea side, Jeff, that was 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 um, in. Well, it well it would be a transitional period still, despite you know they b- began to win trophies, but they were under Viale, a, a star-studded lineup, World Cup winners in there, mm. um, and these are the types of games. If you're a Sunderland fan, you can't believe your luck to see. A side like Chelsea rock up at the at the stadium. No, absolutely. Um, but but I was when when I looked back at the at the game and looked at the uh, mm. the Chelsea team that day, um, they were missing quite a not not to be little Southern achievements <laughs> yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were missing quite a few uh, quite a few. I mean, Deschamps, Leboeuf, Petrescu, Chris Sutton wasn't in. There were quite a, and. Uh, and again, Chris Sutton was available though. Chris Sutton, Chris he, Sutton he was on the bench. Wasn't, wasn't on the on the bench, but. 
And you know, we were missing Kevin Ball, so Deschamps, Kevin Ball, that balances. <laughs> but you still have Desai, World Cup winner. You've yeah. got Gus Poet, Dennis Wise, uh, yeah, Zola, Franco Poet, Zola, yeah. Flo, De Hoy, you know, so, uh, you know, don't, don't do <laughs> yourself a disservice, you know. <laughs> I, I <will laughs> He's doing the Sunderland thing. We, we struggle with pronunciation of, of, of Eric, Eric Roy, you would be calling Sunderland, Eric Watt, whatever. Um, but uh, playing centre-back for uh, for Chelsea, guy I could not remember at all. Je- hmm. Jess Hogue, Hag. The Danish Danish centre yeah, back, yeah, yes, Hoch, maybe yes, Hoch. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? We'll go with Hoch. Yeah, do not remember <laughs> him at all. Bonnie. No, I remember him as a right back. I don't even remember remember Lambord, which is a vaguely familiar name, but I couldn't tell you anything about him. No, uh-huh. but under Gianfranco, uh, uh, Gianluca Viali, sorry, uh, Jonathan, this Chelsea side, you know, they'd as I said, they begin to sort of start to win cup competitions. They hadn't won the league yet. They wouldn't do for another what was it, sort of four or five years. But they had ambitions to challenge for the title this season. And, you know, beating Sunderland 4-0 on the opening day showed that. But they wouldn't have expected to get beat 4-1 when they went to... No, I mean, they, they. I think they were ninth going into the game, but mm. they were only... I think they had a game, or two games in hand. I think they'd won both of those. So they'd have gone up to fifth. I think it would have been... Yeah. Three points behind Sunderland for one or two games in hand, and they had a game against Lazio in Rome three or four days after this. So it shows you where they were, yeah. uh, where their standing was at the time. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think this this was sort of a things have clearly gone wrong with Chris Sutton. That, that mm. he, you know, he was supposed to be you know a big signing who took them on, and the fact he wasn't getting in the team, I think, suggests he struggled to settle there. And you know, that was one of the problems they had that they kept spending money without necessarily. Um, Finding a team out of that, but I, I think this this defeat was sort of a a huge blow in terms of in terms of their title aspirations. Not necessarily because it cost them three points, but just because it showed how you could get at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were got at uh, Jeff after was it forty five seconds? Forty five seconds, yes. <laughs> Eric Roy <laughs> dancing through the defense. Uh, I mean, watch it back again. It, it was a great great little run from just outside the box. Went past about four or five defenders. I think I counted. Six Chelsea defenders in the box, and he's still with his uh, with his with his left foot, which he said wasn't his best. Managed to pick out Niall Quinn in the six yard box, four yards out, little tap in. Uh, I mean, what a start to again! Forty five seconds to be to be one up was uh, yeah. You watched Eric Watt or Eric Roy much more than I did. Was was that classic Eric? That kind of run? Uh, not really. No, I think that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably was again like so many things that day. That was the uh, it didn't really yeah. get much better than that. But uh, it was no, it, it solid, you know, solid and dependable for the year that that, that we had him. Um, it was an unusual midfield. You know, he was he was he had Paul Thurwell, who I think might have been one of his very first uh, starting games uh, for Sunderland. In fact, if you look at the, the team, it was a very very young young Sunderland team, um, mm. and. Yeah, if if you if you ask most Sunderland fans who played in centre midfield that day, Eric White and Paul Thurwell, you'd probably catch out just about just about all of them, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan, you mentioned it earlier about Sunderland's tactics. I mean, it was really to kind of fizz the ball into to Niall Quinn, sort of between shoulder and and thigh high. Is that is that right? And then he would sort of find Quinn. I mean, this is the quintessential big man little man duo up top. Yeah, I mean the the the, the perfect example of that type of football. I, mean, I think Quinn, when you saw him regularly, you realised just how good his his chest control was. Um, and that, you know, actually, the the third goal is stems from that. So you know, he wasn't just about lumber to the back post and you had to head it down. He was mm-hmm. very good at holding the ball up. He was very 
he, he had a surprising deftness. Um, but I mean, you know, that, that, that midfield is is such a. I mean, Thurlwell was was sort of a, from memory. I mean, I, I probably saw him play three or four times, but he was he was sort of a very tall, sort of elegant player, but no pace at all is my memory of it. So he, he must have sat quite deep and been being sprayed spraying about like Pirlo, <laughs> and then uh, Eric Wire was sort of a bit more advanced and sort of scuttling about a bit. Yeah, it was more the Paul Bracewell rolling out in front. So, of the so, back so, so Kevin Ball had been injured on a Friday. Was when Thurlwell got the mm. got the call up, but. Ball, I mean, he left for Fulham not long after. He only he only started six games that season. He played eighteen games in total that season. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> for Thurlow to be, but you look, I mean, you look at that sort of the square of sort of the two centre backs and two centre midfielders. I think Williams, Craddock, Thurlow, and that's winning games against Chelsea four one. It doesn't make a huge amount of sense. It doesn't. Yeah, I mean. We, as you said at the start, Jeff, you know that the first half an hour, uh, the first half was scintillating mm. from Sunderland. I mean, we could talk about moments in between the two goals, but I was sort of chomping at the bit to get to that second goal, <laughs> which uh, I mean, uh, one of the great goals of of the kind of modern Premier League era around that time for me. You know, mm. Kevin Phillips lashes the ball in, the ball pounces up nicely to him on, on twenty four minutes. I mean. Surely you must have celebrated that one, or did, or did you look at that and go, well, "I'm never going to see a better goal there than that"? You know? No, no. Again, talking to uh, talking to Graham Graham Anderson, the uh, the son of Echo guy, he was uh, he was on copy uh, in those days. You had a copy taken, and you would dictate for the for the football Echo, the, the Saturday night paper. Um, and uh, Graham said, as a fan, he always managed to keep his his emotions in check. <laughs> Apart from that one, and when it, when it went in, he just screamed, "What the ingle? What the?" Yeah, and the copy taker said. Do you want me to put that, or, or do you want to, or do you want to rephrase it? He said, "No, give us a second. I'll just." Yeah. <laughs> but if you if you watch it again, uh, I, I mean, it does look like it, on one at on one level, it's like the ball sits up and he just lashes it and it and it yeah. arcs into the top corner. But it it's across from Mickey Gray and it takes a deflection and he does actually uh, that, take that split second just to Kevin Phillips just to reset himself and to be mm. in the right position and it's sort of outside of the right boot. And it's like he knows he's he's going to put a swirl on that that's going to take him in the top corner. And and the reason it's, it's so iconic as well is because that he finishes up with a slide to the camera, which was just perfect, absolutely perfect. Yeah, well, I said, Jonathan, it's one of those perfect goals, isn't it? Yeah, and then there's a, there's a great shot from the camera. I guess it must be sort of you know pitch on level. the pitch level yeah. on the halfway line, and because the the Chelsea fans were in that corner to the right, and you know as Phillips looking at it, there to the right. So you see this sort of ball loop up and go in, and some of the fans react very late to it because it's not quite clear, a that it's going to dip and off, b that it's not going to swerve too far, and c that Dehuy's not going to get a hand to it. So they they sort of suddenly go up, and right next to them, the Chelsea fans just not moving at all. This sort of you know, so that's a great shot as well of the, the you know the contrasting reactions to it. Mm. But yeah, I, th- I think Jeff's right. There is he obviously can't have picked out, yeah, you know, saying I'm hitting it exactly in that corner. But he he deliberately slices across it with the with the top spin on it, mm-hmm. so he you know he it's as deliberate as any of those shots ever are, and mm-hmm. yeah, just, and once that goes in, you still think well again you know anything could happen if we if we're scoring goals like that, 
it's, it's easy this game, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it did feel like that for for Sunderland because it was it wasn't that long after that. Then, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Jonathan, the, 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 the sort of the control that Phillips had of a of a sort of a bouncing ball and and and, and those kind of second balls, if you like, that strikers sort of try and latch onto. And he gets the ball, kind of sort of chests it down, and 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 takes it on the volley, and and, and De Hoy sort of makes the save, and Phillips is in there scoring a totally different type of goal, but showing what a deadly poacher that he was. Mm. And and it, as, as Jonathan said earlier, it's it's Nalquin's control. First of all, a big ball from mm. uh, Mickey Gray, I think, across from Desai is all over the place, falling over, mm. and Niall yeah, he gets caught <laughs> under the ball. He goes far too far forward, doesn't he? His yeah. positioning is awful. Yeah, and Niall Niall traps it. And the arms are there, and he he did that more than once. You'd think, hmm, has he, has he used his arms? And Chelsea was still obviously claiming um, handball, and uh, he just managed to claw it away. Kevin Phillips, as he as he runs in, knocks it in, gives a look over to the linesman to to, to check that he is that he's on side, um, and and you know three, and that was that was virtually game over. And then within a couple of minutes, in Phillips nearly gets his hat trick, um, tipped over the bar. From De Hoy and and from the corner, flicked on by Jody Cranick, I think, steaming in, flicks off his head, and there's Nile at the back stick with his with his left having, having shot laid on the third goal with his right foot, lashes in a volley at the back post with his left foot. He, 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 mm. I think any as Jonathan said, anybody who saw him knew he was a footballer. Now he wasn't just a, a big yeah, big guy headed down at the far post. Yeah, you can sometimes forget about that fourth goal as well because it was a beauty as well. Yeah, yeah, it was. But yeah, you know, he, was, he was a really good volley of the ball. I mean, if you think of the goal in the playoff final, is a great volley. But that that chest down and the looping volley. Um, I mean, he scored a few of those. But the one I remember particularly was a League Cup game against Luton. Do you remember that mm-hmm. one, Jeff? Yes, yeah. And that that's just a, you know, it just if you if you blocked out the player hitting the strike and said to somebody <laughs> who scored that goal. Anybody who wasn't a Sunderland fan, it would take them so long to get to to working out it's Quinn, who's who's able to 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 lob a ball that deftly. But he did it all the time, mm. and you know, Dahoui actually makes a really good save. You know, it's mm. he's a full stretch, claws it away, um, and so, yeah, that was the third goal, thirty six minutes, the fourth goal, thirty eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I mentioned before that four the four one against Nottingham Forest in ninety six when Sunderland were four nil up at half time. And I remember that game being terrified throughout the second half. My my main worry was, this is going to be so embarrassing when we don't win this game. <laughs> this one, it was like, oh, we have won this, I think. Yeah. But I, 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 pretty much the only game I've ever been confident at half-time we were going to win it. I think yeah. I eventually, I, I, I scribbled a few things down and I eventually made my way in half-time back to the uh, the press room. And in those days, the press box was um, was right down in the uh, just behind the dugouts, really at the stadium of light. So you had to go through the concourse, pass through all the, all the fans to get to the uh, the press room, and the look on on people's faces would were, were just they were they were just smiling, beaming, with, but it was like with disbelief. They were like, Can you believe? And they were all saying, "Can you believe that? Can you believe that? What happened to?" Um, but as I said, and I, I sort of knew. <laughs> It wasn't going to get better than that. Nearly did. I think <laughs> early in the second half, Kevin Phillips nearly made it five. Um, to yeah. just tipped one around the post. Um, and then it's sort of, yeah, 4-0 up against Chelsea. Let's just... Uh, but good. And Gus Poyard obviously got one back laid on for Chelsea. And he did say when he when he took over as manager, he said one of the things that 
um, attracted him to the job when when he knew the Sunderland job was up when it was offered to him. Um, he said re- he remembered that day and the noise and the, the and the atmosphere and the passion. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, I just thought this is a great place to to be a manager. And if he can get it right, this is what he can get from the crowd. Yeah, the, the, what, I mean, I, I, I mentioned this to you before, Jeff, and you can't remember it. And only one person I've spoken to does remember it, and I can't find any footage of it. So it may entirely <laughs> be that I've made this up. But I, I remember someone nearly scoring the greatest goal of all time in the second half. There was a throw <laughs> on the right, and the throw goes to Phillips, Phillips to Quinn, Quinn to Phillips, back to Quinn, the ball not touching the ground, and a volley that hits the bottom of the right-hand post. But nobody else seems able to remember this. So <laughs> you might have dreamed it. I, I, I might might have dreamed it. It is possible. And I also remember uh, John Harley should have been sent off for a horrendous knee-high challenge that he got a yellow mm. for. Because I ended up being quite annoyed that we conceded the goal because we kind of we'd lost five four in aggregate. In, 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 <laughs> Cause it, no, because I, I knew the whole thing would be the whole narrative of it would be our oh, Sunderland getting revenge for the four 0 defeat on the opening day of the season. Mm. Well, we didn't really because they still won it five four in aggregate. We needed to get the fifth goal. To sort of say, well, yeah, that was an aberration. But, you know, being Sunderland, obviously we couldn't do that. We had to spoil it. <laughs> Harley and Desai both taken off at half time. So maybe, so maybe that, uh, that uh, happened because John yeah. Terry came on, didn't he? So uh, maybe. Well, that was interesting. That It shows you that the, the shellacking they took because Desai, you know, won the World Cup mm. the previous year. Taken off at half time, he couldn't deal with them, you know. Um, but yeah, Jonathan, you when you're saying about you're a bit disappointed, I mean, Peter Reid was a bit disappointed in the post match. He mentioned the goal that they had conceded, and he said, oh, it's, you know, it's annoying to concede. And apparently, at half time, him and Saxton, they did say to the players, you know, they had a little bit of a rant to, I suppose, Jeff, to try and keep the players' feet on the mm, ground. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, it, for, it, it, just going back to the atmosphere, uh, I do remember the. Uh, the, the noise of that day. And I was quite surprised when I looked it up, the, the crowd was only just over 40,000, which, because um, it was before the Stadium of Light was extended. I mean, it was near capacity. I think 42,000 was the uh, uh, was the capacity that day. Um, but yeah, you, thinking back, I can remember for about the first, probably about 10, 15 minutes of the second half, it was the same sort of intensity. And then when they hadn't scored a fifth, it was it was like, yeah, well, 4-0, we ain't going to lose. It's still been a good day. And um, <laughs> and yeah, and then 10 minutes before the end, it was a bit sloppy, a, a corner from the uh, from the right, which went straight across the box and uh, six-yard box and popped one in. Yeah, but I mean, you know, Sunderland went on to finish seventh that season. So, Jonathan, this wasn't just a flash-in-the-pan result. Well, it kind of was they... by this point because they, well. they, they beat Sunderland the following week and then they went 11 without a win. Mm. So, so, yeah, so, so Jeff's feeling that it wasn't going to get any better than this was, <laughs> was, was proved very, very rapidly. Well, taken as a whole, though, the whole season. Oh, the whole season know. was great. And, and there is a, you know, I think there is a thing that we we all do that there's a tendency, you know, if you finish a season well, you somehow come out of it with greater credit than if you start the season well, which doesn't yeah. make any sense. You know, if you, if you pick up 45 points over the season or whatever, that's 45 points. But if you get, you know, 35 of those points in the second half of the season and 10 in the first. Somehow it feels better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, yeah, there the was an annoying sense of anti-climax. I mean, the game when it really started to go wrong was a 2-2 draw against Manchester United, which was two home games, I think, after mm. this. Yeah. Um, was, was Michael Gray sent off in that game? Uh, I, uh, I think he was. Uh, and there were uh, there were two and a lot, weren't there? And then there was a fairly dodgy free kick, uh, which went against them. Um, with right right at the end of the game and my new scramble and equaliser. Um, mm-hmm. 
But that shows you the season, though, doesn't it? Manchester United won yeah. 91 well, points a, that season. Uh, I think, I think mine's saying this. I, th- I think the way the fixtures fell, Sunderland were away at West Ham, and if they'd won, they'd have temporarily gone top. And that was just before Christmas. And they were down at 10 men, and they... I can't remember if they ended up losing that game or drawing it, but they conceded true, late. True, one um, all. Yeah, yeah. Travis Sinclair. Was it Danny Dichaud gave the ball away in the uh, in the centre circle, and Sinclair went up the other end and and scored. I think that was a disappointment that they had been so far up for so long that to finish seventh finish felt like a bit of a disappointment, especially as it meant that that there was no European football for, for if you finished seventh at that time. And um, as I say, you know, a generation of fans had, had grown up not having had the chance to see Sunderland play in Europe. And then that that season and, and the one afterwards were mm-hmm. the only ones, really, in the last 50 years I mean, where there's, there's been a sniff of it. The following season, I don't know, maybe maybe this is because I'd sort of fully moved away by then, but it didn't feel any... And maybe it's just because it was yeah, the, the second time we'd done it, but it it didn't feel anywhere near as, as good. Uh, you know, finishing seventh twice in a row, but... It felt to me that second season, we just got loads of wins because Don Hutchinson kept taking quick free kicks and nobody worked it out. <laughs> it wasn't like we were actually playing good football. Yeah, and there wasn't that surprise element that there had been the uh, the, the, the previous season. Um, yeah, that, that that probably was the, was the best season that Sunderland have had in the last 50 years, really, that 99-2000, uh, since the FA Cup. Well, yeah, yeah. It, 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 I mean, it is a question, mm. isn't it? I mean, the, the, uh, must have been early fifties the last time we finished above seven. Mm. So fifty-two, so, I yeah. think. So yeah, <laughs> a long right. time, even before my time. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a very bold shout. The best season in fifty years, and as, as you said at the start, Jeff, it's it's the best performance you've seen from from a Sunderland side. Ever. Yeah, yes, I would, I would think so. Um, you know, and I, I have watched a lot of games <laughs> in the last fifty years, um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's it it. There were there were one or two that I thought about, but it, this one I think stands out. And, and when you mention it to people, especially people who maybe only seeing games at the Stadium of Light, mm. uh, it it is the game that stands out. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because this was the, the the first Premier League season at the Stadium of Light, so it was the uh, the third season, the third season at the Stadium of Light, but the first one in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And so I always think the Stadium, you need you need a couple of big games early just to sort of. Yeah, to make it feel feel like home, and I think one of the problems West Ham have had, for instance, is they haven't had any of those really big home performances to sort of, I don't know, to to consecrate the the new stadium. Sure. Whereas we were very lucky that we got, you know, a great season where we just missed out, a promotion season, and then a couple of these big wins, of which this was the, you know, by by far the standout in that first season back in the top flight. You see, I can I, I witnessed uh, a Sunderland four-one top flight win against the West London side when I was at uh, Craven Cottage. I was there Sunderland for that one up, as well. 1-4-1 one, one, and, and Adam Johnson hat-trick. Mm. And, and we'll leave, um, that, we'll leave yes. that there. <laughs> Josie Altator winning a penalty with the slowest step over of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so not all yeah. doom and gloom. You, know? you see, you had that one as well. By contrast, I went to see the, 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 see them lose 3-1 to Portsmouth uh, not so long ago in Oof. front of no fans and it was one of the most soul-destroying mm. experiences. I've seen a few, yeah, I'm sure you have as well, seen it, some of the, uh, the, the lockdown games and they're just, they're just no fun. Even if your team wins, they're just no fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, but they're very on. hard to to work on, just because you your brain just drifts off. You're not, you're just not focused mm. on it. It's very hard to kind of 
you suddenly realise 10 minutes have gone by and you can't actually remember anything that's happened in that 10 minutes. And you're not sure if you've seen something because the crowd hasn't reacted to it. You think, was, was, was that foul as bad as I thought? That was <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Very true. Well, Jeff, it's been a pleasure talking to you about uh, this, this Sunderland side and, and that Kevin Phillips goal in particular as well. Which, oh, if, you, if you haven't seen that, well, I'm, I'm sure you have, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't, do, uh, do treat yourself to that one. Um, but Jeff, thank you very much indeed for coming on the pod. It's been an absolute pleasure. Loved it. Thanks very much. Thank you. For more stories like that, do check out theblizzard.co.uk. Myself and Jonathan will be back next week with another great game from football. See you then.